But this morning, we're going to kick off a new series called Unstoppable Joy. Unstoppable Joy. And we're going to spend some time uh, over the next few weeks. Well, next week, we have a special guest, and, and Pastor Jackson is coming, and, and going to be doing Gabrielle's baby dedication. And uh, just a, a plug for next week, if you want to hear Pastor Laura and I sing a duet, come next week. Uh, we're going to be singing a duet together. So um, it's part of a, it's a follower family tradition when it comes to baby dedications. And so uh, the two of us and, and all of our our singing abilities, no, I shouldn't say that. She's a very, she has a very good voice, and I do my best. Um, but we'll be doing that next week. And then the following week is a family service. And so we'll start today, and then in August we'll continue on. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. We'll spend one week in each of the chapters. And so today we're going to be looking at chapter 1 of Philippians. And so if you want to turn in your Bible, that's where we're going to be starting off today. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But we're going to be learning from the Apostle Paul's teaching on how to find everlasting joy. How do, how do you find joy that lasts, everlasting joy, not happiness, right? Because we know happiness comes and goes and it fades and it's up and it's down, but joy that's consistent, that's continual, that's everlasting, and I'll explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But today I want to get started by asking a few questions. First question, number one, what's frustrating you? What is it in your life right now that's frustrating, something that, that gets on your nerves? Right? And this could be big or, or little. Like here's a couple examples. Here's a few things that, that frustrate me at times. Uh, I, I'm very punctual. I don't like being late or I don't like when people show up late to things. That frustrates me. Uh, when, when propane runs out on my grill when I'm in the middle of cooking burgers. Right? That's frustrating. There's nothing worse than having a half-cooked burger and then your propane runs out and you've got to run and exchange your tank and get a new one or finish it. And you know, Again, it, it's frustrating. How about, I think some of you are going to agree with me on this one. What frustrates you? Slow drivers in the left lane, right? Slow drivers in the left lane. Like Pastor Laura and I were down in the, the cities yesterday for a softball tournament, and on our way back, you know, we ran into a number of slow drivers in the left lane. It's like, move over, you know? Um, but anyhow, right, there, there are things in life which, which frustrate us at times. And, and some examples for you could be maybe... Maybe it's, it's your work situation that frustrates you or is difficult, or maybe, maybe your neighbor frustrates you, your boss, maybe you're on a team and it's a teammate, or maybe there's a family member uh, who, who can be frustrating at times. And some of these, like I said, they can be little, and even though they're little, they can still cause us to lose that happiness. They can cause us to become frustrated and take away from, from our feelings and how we're doing throughout the day. Here's another question. What's defeating you? Right? So number one, what was frustrating you? Number two, what's defeating you? And I would say, this one's a little more intense than frustration. This is the one that sort of takes it to the next level. Right? Maybe, again, you're struggling at work and you don't know how much longer you're going to be able to take it. You're going, I don't know if I can continue doing my job anymore. Maybe it's changed or whatever it is, but it's becoming difficult. Maybe you're having a difficult time in your marriage. Right? Maybe your marriage is in a tough place, and it's getting to a place where it's very hard um, to see uh, that you're going to be able to figure it out and, and find a resolution. Maybe you feel like you're always the good friend, but it seems like that, that you never have a good friend for you. Right? You're always the one that's dependable, the one who's there, the one who's doing all kinds of favors, but it always seems one-sided. 
Like you're the good friend and you can't seem to find me. Right? Maybe you fight with your family constantly and going home is just pain. Painful, right? But I know some of us, if we're honest, we go, you know what? Sometimes being at home is not the place that's the easiest for me to be. Maybe it's easier for me to be at work or at school or wherever it may be. But it can be a pain and literally it feels like you've been defeated because it seems like no matter what you do, it never lives up to the expectations that people have for you. And here's our last question to get us started this morning. What's devastating you? So what's frustrating you? What's defeating you? What's devastating you? What in your life is highly destructive? This is the thing that you feel is bringing you down to a point where you're literally going, God, I need your help. God, I, there's nothing else I can do than just begging God to help to fix the situation. Right? And so I've shared this, this story with you before. This isn't new for you to hear unless you're new this morning. And I'm going to share a little bit about it. But uh, there's a situation in my life that was devastating me. Thankfully, it's not devastating me anymore. Um, but when I was 17 years old, my brother died in high school. Right? Many of you know that it was Right over in Forbes, at, at, at the Taconite plant there, there was an explosion, and, and he died, uh, and it radically changed my life. My life was different from that moment moving forward, and it devastated me, right? For two years, I was searching the world trying to find happiness instead of looking to the Lord to say, Father, you're my source of joy. You're my source of contentment. I was looking for happiness in the world, right? And I'll get to that in a minute that... That's what this series is all about, realizing that we are to seek joy in the Lord, not happiness in the world. Learning how to look to the Lord to find joy in our lives, right? But I know I'm not alone in that. I'm not the only one who's been devastated by things. And maybe there's some of you here this morning who are walking through a situation that's devastating right now, right? That's devastating. You're facing, maybe it's a, a medical issue. Maybe it, it, your marriage is, is literally falling apart. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe you lost your job, whatever it could be, but you're going through something that's devastating. All of us, at different times in our life, go through something that's devastating. And then we, we begin to, to ask questions. And at some point, we just begin to go, God, I need your help, right? Many times, I, I've heard people that they don't even believe in God, or they don't even have a relationship with God, right? But they go, God, I need your help. I don't, I don't know what else to do. I've tried the bottle. I've tried pills. I've tried uh, pornography. I've tried gam I've tried whatever, and nothing is working. God, I guess I'm going to give you a chance. Help me, Lord, in this situation. And go to him. But here's what I want to I focus on this morning. As I, we talk about learning how to look for joy in life, is understanding what type of prayer we're asking God in these situations. Because this is what we tend to do. We tend to pray a prayer like this. God, please remove this situation from my life. Right? God, please, you know, it, it might, God, please bring my brother back. Which obviously isn't going to happen. But we, we, we tend to say, God, just fix it. Remove it. Take, take care of the situation that I'm walking through right now. Right? How many of us have prayed a prayer like that? I have. I've prayed a prayer like that where I said, God, just take care of this issue right now. Fix it. And doesn't it seem like when we pray this kind of prayer, that things seem to, to just continue to stick around longer than we wish they would? It always seems to many times get worse before maybe it actually starts to get better. So here's a question. What if God is up to something 
even in the middle of these difficult things that you're walking through? What if God is trying to do something in that situation? Most people will get through something, but few get something out of it, right? Many of us make it through the challenges that life brings, but not a lot of people learn something through that situation. And that's what we want to talk about this morning is learning from our experiences, learning from our challenges, learning from the things that are devastating that we walk through in our lives. So I can say from personal experience that even in the middle of something painful or frustrating or devastating, that we can experience real joy in the middle of that. We can experience it. And I didn't always, in my situation, I didn't always see the joy in my life, but I always looked to my parents and I could see the joy they had in their life. Even though they had lost a son, they never lost their joy. The joy of the Lord was always with them. Why? Because joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on the things that happen. It's based on our circumstances. It's based on how we feel at any given point, right? We become happy because we get to spend a date night with our spouse. So we become happy because we get a new pet or we get a new vehicle or a new house, right? We get happy because of those things. But joy is a state of living. Have you ever been around a joyous person, right? That they're, they're infectious, right? You see someone that's just bubbling with joy and it's hard not to be joyful around them because it, it just comes out of them. It bubbles out of them and it's a wonderful thing to be around. You just want to continue to be around them no matter what's happening. And I believe that those are the kind of people we need to learn from. We need to follow the example of the way that they live their lives. As Jesus followers, we should know something that many other people don't. If you look at our lives, people should see that we are joyous even in the middle of difficult situations because we know that God is going to help us through that situation. We know that there's something that God is trying to do in that situation. Right? God doesn't just allow things to happen in our life so that we can go through pain and heartache and agony just for the sake of pain and heartache and agony. Right? He's teaching something. He, he's molding us. He's shaping us. He's preparing us for something else that he's going to do. Right? It's like God knew that there was a plan and that something amazing was going to happen as a result of obedience and walking through the situation. If you look at a, a believer's walk with Jesus, they know true joy, and his name is Jesus. I don't know about you, but this is what I want. Right? I don't want us to continue to pray remove it prayers. I want us to pray this prayer. God, use this until you choose to remove this. Not God just remove it, saying, God, use this situation until you choose to remove it. Use it. Help me to learn through this. Help me to understand what it is you're trying to do at this time in the situation. What is, what is your plan? What is it that can come out of this situation that I'm walking through right now? And Paul in the Bible is the perfect example of this. Right? Out of anyone who knew, or we know, or we've read about, he had every reason to complain. He had every reason to complain. He had every reason to not be happy, to not have joy in his life. But yet, even when he was in prison, he was joyous. When he, what he wrote in the book of Philippians, which we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks in this series, shows us a glimpse into the secret of what someone does to experience joy in the midst of pain, in the midst of devastation, in the midst of heartache that they're walking through. 
And as I said, the book of Philippians, just for a context, it was written by the Apostle Paul when he was in prison in Rome. Right? So he's in prison when he writes this letter uh, to the Philippians. It's about 30 years after Jesus had ascended and gone back into heaven, and about 10 years after Paul had first preached at Philippi. So it gives us a little bit of a time frame of where he's at. And Paul had planted a church in Philippi, and in this letter he wrote to the believers there to encourage them in all that they were doing for Jesus. Right? He planted a church and he had left, and now he was sending them a letter trying to encourage them to say, continue the good work you're doing. Continue pursuing what it is God is asking you to do. Keep pushing through the challenges and the obstacles that come your way, for God is going to do something great to the church in Philippi. But here, if you don't know much about Apostle Paul, here's some context about his life and the pain that he experienced when I say that if anyone would know what it's like or have an excuse to not be joyous, it would be Paul. This is from another one of his letters in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says, I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been, blogged, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus once. One. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Right? So Paul had, he's experienced all kinds of hardship, all kinds of things that frustrated him, all kinds of things that would have devastated him, all kinds of things that, that would have been very difficult for a person to walk through and still continue to find joy, still continue to find contentment in life, and still continue to, to continue to follow the Lord. Right? We, we don't even think about that. Paul, he went through all these things, and you know what, for some of us, we might not have been strong enough in our faith to even continue to follow Jesus. But Paul continued to follow Jesus, for he knew that there was something that was going to come out of all of this that was happening, that God had a plan. Paul had a little experience when it came to pain and suffering. Keep this in mind as we, as we go through the book of Philippians. So ask yourself the question, is this, de is this guy devastated by what's happening? Right? Is Paul devastated by what's happening? And second question, does it sound like a guy who was praying the remove it prayer? Who was just praying simply, God remove this situation? Or does this sound like a guy who knew something that sometimes we forget? That when it comes to pain and suffering, we can continue to have an unstoppable joy through our relationship with Jesus. Looking now at Philippians in chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 12 and we're going to start reading and take a few breaks in the midst of this passage. But it starts by saying, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And we're going to stop right there after that one verse for a moment. Right? We just read about in Corinthians all the things that Paul had walked through in his life. All the challenges he faced. All the devastation he had faced. And he goes... Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that all of that that happened to me has happened to advance 
the gospel, has happened to advance the gospel. He, he, he's chained up in prison at this time. And he's saying that all of these things are for the advancement of the gospel. It's crazy to think that he could still have that mindset. But that's because he knew who Jesus was. He knew where his joy came from. Continuing on in verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So right, again, we're reading this, and let's make sure we have this right. Even though Paul is in chains, right, he's in prison at this time, it becomes clear to everyone that he's here because of Jesus. Like he's here because he's proclaiming the gospel. That's what landed him here in jail, and he's, and he's content being there because he knows that God has a plan and a purpose for what's happening in that season of his life right now. And as a result, because of his confidence, because of the fact that he's continuing to be obedient to what the Lord is asking him to do, others in the prison are coming to know who Jesus is as a result. They're being convinced of who Jesus is by his actions, by his joy that he has, by his, his zeal, his continual uh, obedience to the Lord, what he has. So here's another question. What scares you? Right? Because you can sit here and go, well, why isn't Paul scared in this situation? Well, he might have been. Uh, but if I, I ask myself that question, what scares me? Uh, to be honest, there's not a whole lot. I'm not very easily frightened, but there are a few things I don't like. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I don't like snakes. And uh, people who like snakes, that's cool, but I, I don't like snakes. Um, they don't scare me. I just have no desire to be around them, whether they're poisonous or not. I just think they're nasty. Um, but I was just talking to someone the other day about this fact that actually there's things like heights that I probably should have more of a respect for. Because heights don't bother me one bit. I'll go as high as I can go and do whatever, and it doesn't bother me one bit. And so there's probably some things where I should have more respect or, or fear or reverence you know, for them. Uh, than I do, but there's certain things that don't bother me. But I also don't care for spiders, right? I mean, they don't scare me again, but it's like, I don't like them in my house. My wife especially does not like them in the house. I got to share a story. The other night, it's like three in the morning, I'm sleeping, and a lot of you know I don't sleep well. And so here I am, sleeping, dead asleep, and, and Laura wakes me up, she's like, Mike, I'm like, yeah? She's like, there's a bug on Gabriella. There's a bug on her. And she's sleeping in a bassinet right next to our bed. And I'm like, all right, get up, grab a Kleenex, go over there. Little to find out, it was a bug that was embroidered on her sleeper, like a little ladybug that was literally a part of. And I was like, are you serious right now? You woke me up for a bug that's embroidered on her sleeper? Like, I don't even sleep as it is, you know? And so, but it was just, it was one of like, but that's just like, that's her fear. Like, she hates bugs, hates spiders. And, and she hates it so much that, you know, in, in her lack of sleep as well, uh, she looked down and she thought that that bug that was sewn onto her sleeper was an actual um, bug. Uh, you know, maybe for some of us, it can be kind of scary to talk about Jesus, right? Maybe we can be a little bit hesitant or, or get scared to talk about Jesus, maybe especially when it comes to our family members. Right? For some people, it's easier to talk about Jesus to a complete stranger 
than it is to about a family member. Because there, there, there can be some challenges that come with talking to our family uh, about the gospel. And so uh, for many of us, we're scared of looking weak. We're scared of maybe showing pain in our lives because our culture tells us that, that there's no room for the weak. Just be strong, you know, right? Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and just keep going. Suck it up, right? And so many times we're scared of some of these different things. And Paul has said that when we turn to Jesus in confidence, knowing he will, knowing he will do what he does, we don't have to be fearful, and we can point to Jesus even in our pains. Paul is saying, we don't have to be scared to admit that we're weak. We don't have to be scared to admit that we're scared of certain things because we know the one who's our source of strength. We know the one who's our source of joy. We know the one who will pick us up when we fall down. And so it's okay to have fears. It's okay to have worries. We can bring them to Jesus and he will help us even in the trials that we're walking through in our lives. Continuing on in verse 15, we read, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Jesus out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Because Christ is preached, I rejoice, Paul is saying here. Rejoice means to feel or show great joy or delight. That's what it means to rejoice. Right? Why, why would we be rejoicing? It says some of this was, was in, in, in for bad reasons. It was false teaching or, or people were bringing up Jesus, but it was for their own gain. Why would he be rejoicing in that? Well, in verse 18, we read it. He said, the most important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Because Christ is preached. Paul's pain and suffering actually advanced the gospel, as I mentioned earlier. Everything that he went through, he deemed as worth it. Because through the pain, people looked at him to see how he would respond. And he would respond by pointing them back to Jesus. People were watching Paul and they were going, how's he going to respond to being in prison? How's he going to respond to, to these accusations or to the, this false gospel? And he just, kept, he just kept pointing to Jesus. And people were watching that and they were blown away and people were coming to know who he was as a result of his steadfast obedience to the Lord. Right? And, and getting back to, to my story, like when my brother died, I know so my dad works at, at Blind and Paper Company in Grand Rapids, and he's head of human resources over there. And, um, but people would ask him, they said, Dale, how do you still have joy right now? How are you not absolutely devastated, torn apart? How are you working? How are you doing these things? You just lost your son. And he said, my joy isn't found in this world. It's not found even in my family. My joy is found in the Lord. And there were people at the paper mill that come to know Jesus as a result of my dad's faithfulness in that situation. Because they were watching, just like they were watching Paul in this situation. People are watching us, right? The world is watching us to see how we respond to different situations that we walk through. Does that mean that we become fake or, or we become worried about what the world thinks of us? No, but it, it's just understanding that, you know what? People are watching us. 
If we proclaim to be Christians, if we proclaim to be followers of Christ, people are going to expect or look to us to respond in certain ways when different things happen. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No, it doesn't mean we're always going to respond in the perfect way, but trying to be consistent and remain steadfast in our joy that comes from the Lord, not from the things of this world. Paul was a definition of this, of the God, use this until you remove this type of a prayer. So what in your life can you maybe pray this prayer about? What in your life are you walking through right now and you can say, you know what, God, instead of just simply asking you to remove this, God, I'm going to ask you to use this situation until you choose to remove it. What are you walking through? Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Right? So you know that God works all things out for his good, for those who love him, those who follow in obedience to him. With the cross, God takes that, takes things away, in and of themselves that are bad, and he puts them together. Right? God can take multiple things that separately would be devastating or would not be good and bring them together and bring healing, bind them together and make something that's great. Right? Just, for example, think of table salt. Right? Table salt. I love salt. I put salt on everything, and my wife's always like, you're going to die young. Well, she actually doesn't say that, but she's like, you need to stop. But anyhow, think of salt. What is salt made of? It's made up of sodium and chloride. Sodium and chloride separately? Neither of them are good for you, right? But you put sodium and chloride together, and it's no longer a deadly poison, right? It's no longer something that's going to harm you. It actually can bring about health and life to a certain extent when done in the right amounts. We actually need some salt in our bodies. It's good for our bodies to have a certain amount of salt in them. So God can take things that are bad, and he can put them into the crucible of his wisdom and his love. And work them together to form and create something that's good. Something that can become glorious. Something that can point people towards who he is. Right? And so what is it right now that you're walking through that God is saying, I'm going to take that hurt. I'm going to take those different parts that in and of themselves are, are maybe harmful or difficult. And I'm going to bind them together through my work, which I did upon the cross, which I continue to do today. And I'm going to make something beautiful. I'm going to pick up the broken pieces and put them back together. And I'm going to make a masterpiece. Right? This is a quote that I've heard many times. And some of you uh, may have heard it before. But it says, Often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. Maybe the place where I am and where God wants me to go, that gap, is the pain that a person has to choose to be willing to endure. Because there's going to be things in life that are painful, that are difficult, and that we walk through. Right? I know this to be true. I've, I've experienced it in my life, and I know many of you have experienced it as well. But God can make the ugly beautiful. He can make the broken whole. He can make the hurting uh, strong once again. You might not be able to always understand why the things that are happening are happening, right? There's, there's situations we look at in our lives and we're like, God, what in the world good could come of this? What could ever come of my brother dying? Right? What could ever happen? You know what? There's a lot of people that he went to high school with that never knew who Jesus was until the day he showed up at his funeral. 
And they were introduced to who Jesus was at his funeral. I don't know what that looks like today, but there were a lot of seeds that were planted from one really unfortunate act. So we, we sit there and we go, what, could, what good could come of this? When we allow time and we allow Jesus into the situation, we can see what happens. We're not suffering just for the sake of suffering. We're not in pain just to be in pain. But there are times where we're in suffering or there's times where we're in pain, and there's a greater purpose that's going to come out of that, that we can, we can learn to become thankful for down the line because it's taught us to be closer to the Lord in those moments. It is possible uh, to suffer in vain when we don't seek God. Could you imagine how your life would look or how it would change if, if your, your mindset on prayer would go from simply, God, please remove what I'm walking through, to having the mindset of saying, God, please remove, use this until you choose remove this. When we're in pain, we need to continue to keep our joy in the Lord. When we're frustrated, when we're deflated, when we're devastated, when, when the world uh, seems to be overwhelming us, we have to continue to keep our joy in the Lord. Paul is challenging us, instead of pointing to our pain, to point to Jesus. Paul didn't focus on the fact that he was in chains, he focused on the fact that he knew Jesus. Right? He didn't focus on his circumstances or his situation. He focused on his creator. And that's what you and I have to do in our lives. God does not waste a hurt. Right? God does not waste a hurt. So again, you're not going to go through something just for the sake of being hurt. God has a plan. He's going to do something through that. Right? Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who are tired and weary, I will give you rest. Some of you are tired. You're frustrated. You're deflated. You're devastated by what's happening in your lives. The answer is to look to Jesus, to find joy, to remain steadfast in Him. I can have the worship team come back up at this point. And simply, it starts with the first question Do you have a relationship with the Lord? If you don't, this morning I want to give you the opportunity to come into relationship with the Lord. To know Him as your personal Lord and Savior. For He'll give you rest. He'll give you hope. He'll give you new life. That no person, no drink, no, no food, no drug, nothing else in this world can bring other than Jesus. And we know that because of the cross. We know that because He died and rose again for us to defeat not only sin, but death forever. I've heard it said many times this way, only God can turn a mess into a message, or a test into a testimony, or a trial into a triumph, or a victim into a victory. Right? God can transform any situation, no matter what it looks like, for His glory, for His honor, to point people towards who He is. But how does that happen? That happens when we keep our joy in the Lord. It happens when we don't allow our lack of happiness to pull us away from our relationship with God. Because for many people, that's what can happen. We, we, we're sad and we're, we're, we're struggling to find happiness. And so then we turn around and we say, God, why? And then, and then we begin to think, is it even worth it? Is, it even, is God even real? Is it worth it? Do I need, should I even keep my faith? But we find joy 
in Jesus. That he can transform our situations. And so what I want to do quickly this morning with, with every eye shut, nobody looking around, I simply want to offer that opportunity this morning. If you're in here and you want to make that decision to give your heart to the Lord, all I'm simply going to do is I'm going to ask you to place your hand up in the air real quick and you can put it right back down. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But simply just, if that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Father, we thank you this morning for who you are. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. And Father, I pray this morning that we would be reminded of who you are as our Lord, as our Savior, as our Creator, but as the one who also lays our steps before us, the one who has a plan, who knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And that when we walk through trials and, and struggles and life and difficulties and things that devastate us, that God, you are with us in the midst of those. And that you have a plan for your good, for your glory, for your honor. So help us to remain confident in who you are in those times. To come before you and to lay ourselves at your feet and continue to say, my joy is not from the things of this world. It's not from people. It's not even from my family or those who are closest to me. My joy comes from the Lord. And I'm not going to allow anything to change. I'm not going to allow anything to take my joy away. For this is a joy that's everlasting. It's a joy that's unstoppable. It's a joy that's never ending. Father, help us to have a mindset of not simply saying, God, please remove this, but please use this until you choose to remove it. God, use the difficulty. Use the season of, of struggle that I'm walking through for your honor, for your glory, until you choose to remove it, until the season has passed. Lord, we thank you for that. Father, now as the worship team leads us through a song, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I just, I want to invite anyone who would like to come forward for prayer this morning, whether it deals with what we talked about this morning, or maybe you need a healing, you need a touch, you need prayer for something else. Myself and a couple of our leaders are going to be up here for a time of prayer for that as well. But again, what is it that you're walking through right now? That God could take and use and make wonderful if we just allow him to. Instead of saying, God, remove this. Saying, God, please use this until you choose to remove this. Father, again, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that we can find in your word. And we don't have to try to figure things out. On our own, we don't have to try to know all the answers, but simply as we look to your word, as we, we seek you in prayer and your Holy Spirit, you guide and direct us. You help us to know and understand what to do and the challenges that come our way in life. And Father, I pray for those that are in situations right now that are devastated. That your joy, Father, would be abundant in their lives. That your peace that surpasses all understanding would would shower over them this morning and the days and in the times to come. God, I think of those in here this morning I know who are in need of a touch of healing, God, and have different things lined up over the next couple of weeks. We have a number of people 
who are going for different tests and procedures. And God, we just pray for you to be made known through each of those situations. But God, that we know you have a plan. We just talked about that this morning. That you have a plan that there is good to come out of all situations. And so God, we just trust and know that that is true. Even when it's hard to see, hard to understand, hard to know how good can come of it, we place our faith and trust in you. That you may be glorified, that you, be, you may be made known, just as you were in Paul's life. God, may you be, be made known through the situations that we're walking through right now. That people may become confident in who you are as we walk boldly in our faith. As we walk boldly in proclaiming who you are. And not following our circumstances, but following our creator. Jesus, be with us now as we go out. Help us to continue to, to share the gospel. Father, to proclaim the message of the truth of, of your word, that the lost will be found, that the darkness will be overcome by light, and that our community, the iron range, our nation, the world will be transformed as a result of the truth of your word. Father, we thank you for who you are. We give you this morning, we give you ourselves, we give you all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.